Hey everyone, welcome back to Pretending with Dice. As always, I'm your host and game master, AJ. Uh, well, this is it, the final episode of 2021. Uh, whether you're new to the podcast or you've been with us from the beginning, thank you so much for joining us this year. Uh, COVID lockdowns really kind of messed with our plan schedule uh, back at the beginning of the year, but I'm, uh, I'm so happy we were able to get things all back on track and uh, launch Frontier. Um, I hope you've all been enjoying our trip to the stars with this new series. Uh, we're having so much fun playing Star Trek Adventures, and uh, yeah, we're not about to stop yet. Uh, uh, this episode, however, is kind of a mini finale. Um, not for the series, but just for our first big storyline of uh, Frontier, Aurora. Uh, we had uh, a lot of fun recording the story. Uh, I think you'll all enjoy this conclusion to it. Uh, I want to thank you all for your patience as well in uh, waiting an extra week for it. Uh, we will, of course, be back in the new year with the next storyline of Frontier, Fire of the Gods, uh, which will begin promptly on January 6th. Uh, before we get straight into this episode, however, I do just want to make one quick announcement, and that is that we have a brand new, easier way to get to everything to do with the podcast, and that is pretendingwithdice.com. Couldn't be simpler. Uh, all the links to our social media pages, uh, Discord server, Ko-Fi page, uh, as well as direct links to the podcast feed, and pages on some of the most popular podcast apps are on there, so, uh, so yeah, check it out. Uh, tell your friends, <laughs> share the podcast. Uh, it's never been easier. Okay, with all that out of the way, I want to wish all the best for the holiday season to each and every one of you, and uh, yeah, we'll see you in 2022. Uh, But first, let's get into today's episode. Enjoy. Previously on Frontier. Come. Okay, well, as you know, the sensor suite just got a couple of upgrades, and well, there hasn't really been a chance to point at anything weird yet. Sure, I'll take it to the captain and see what he says. Captain, we've found some interesting readings. We've found dilithium in a, a tritanium signature. The system is meant to be uninhabited, isn't it, uh, Commander Ray? Yes, sir. No intelligent life on any of the planets in this system, according to previous reports. Probably would recommend only a short away mission, sir. You, you've got my blessing with that. Uh, put together a team. Energize. Um, do we have any idea what we might find here? We're looking for the source of the dilithium and titanium signatures detected from orbit, Ensign. Stop freaking out. There's a spot further down the hill, about a hundred meters or so. Let's get some shelter at least. We begin to hear, unmistakably, an animal call. Eyes up. At the firing of your phaser. Oh, fuck. (laughs) I forgot about them. Two of the barbs just go straight into your arm. One hits you in the side of the neck, and one final one just goes straight into your cheek. Oh. Uh, your right arm and the right side of your face immediately go completely numb. It seems that they have the ability to see potentially on the infrared spectrum. So what I'm thinking, we've got the pattern enhancers with us. If we set them up and adjust the field to mask our heat signatures while we're inside it, it might prevent them from detecting us. Uh, you just you nail your shot on the creature you were aiming at, just blasting it with like a pinpoint phaser strike. <laughs> you know, Johnny, as you go to fire, the creature you're aiming at suddenly leaps towards you and your phaser blast goes wide. So wide, in fact, that it strikes one of the three pattern enhancers, which immediately, under the force of the phaser blast, detonates. Time seems to slow as this large predator springs through the air in your direction, and then it drops, a dead weight crashing to the ground at the threshold of your survival tent. A long, thin, metallic projectile, clearly visible, protruding from the creature's skull, directly between the eyes, now dead and staring up at nothing. Ooh. Ooh. 
this action seems to be happening at once. Uh, Murphy's on target shot at the first of the hunting creatures, uh, Johnny's shot missing, and the subsequent explosion of one of the pattern enhancers, and finally the pouncing of the second creature towards your tent, uh, intercepted in mid-air by a projectile from out of your field of view. Uh, with the rain pounding down, uh, this now dead creature sort of slides to a stop in the mud, uh, an arrow shaft protruding from between its eyes, uh, coming to a rest uh, just at your feet, uh, Johnny. Well, actually, I guess, are you, are you on your feet? Are you, you kneeling in the tent's entrance? If memory serves, we were kind of kneeling. I think I was alongside Murphy firing. Yeah. So it just um, sort of slides in the mud to a re to a stop, just kind of just in front of you, uh, with this quite long shafted arrow sticking out of the centre of its forehead. Its eyes are just sort of staring up at you, but they're clearly like they're not moving. It's just like dead stare at you. Okay. Um, well, Johnny's immediate reaction is to eyes bulge, stare at the beast for a split second, and then immediately snap his head around to try and catch a glance at where that arrow's come from. Okay. Um, well, uh, from where you're sat in the, the entranceway, um, it hasn't. The, the tent is kind of blocking most of your field of view. Um, you can't see anything from the angle that you're at, though. It looks to be, and especially with the angle of the arrow, it's come from over the tent and hit it, basically. I'll give you that for free. Murphy, we've got company. And Johnny kind of hops up to his feet and wheels around to try and look in the direction or to try and get a better view now of what's happening or where, where that arrow's come from. Okay, can I get an insight security check from you? That's a difficulty one. Yeah, not one. So that's one failure, one success. Uh, all right. So you stand up out um, of the of the tent doorway, kind of revealing yourself, and you see crouched on the um, the sort of the rim of this kind of hollow in the ground, uh, with a sort of hooded kind of cloak pulled up over their head against the the wind and the rain, and holding what looks to be a kind of makeshift. Well, not really makeshift. It looks pretty sturdy and, well, quite professional, actually. <laughs> uh, a bow. Um, it appears to be a humanoid figure. Tough to make out details, um, but they're kind of looking down at you. Um, but, yeah, where it's kind of dark and raining and windy, it's, uh, it's a bit tough to tell anything other than it appears to be a person. Um, Johnny pulls his head back into the tent and turns to Murphy and says, um, it looks like there's um, a person out there. Somebody's wielding a bow and arrow, but I guess maybe they're on our side if they're fighting this thing. And he kind of looks around to everybody else, gauging reaction. They just saved our bacon, so the least we can do is offer a hello. Can I try and get a sense of this person's attitude towards us? Hmm, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. With my empathy. Yeah, uh, I guess uh, do a. Um, I guess this will be insight. Insight security, I guess? Yeah. yeah, this is kind of your thing, though, so I mean, this would be a difficulty one again. So 2d20, and you're aiming to get 14 or under. Uh, again, one success, one failure, but that's fine. You got the one success. Um, there's definitely like a, a level of kind of adrenaline rush going on, which you would maybe put down to like making a, you know making the difficult shot there. But you're getting more of a kind of feeling of like curiosity, but also sort of surprise. Not lack of recognition of anything that they're seeing, but just sort of a little bit of like a yeah, so it's like a mix of confusion and curiosity sort of thing. Okay. Um, surprise. You would put that maybe down to a surprised at seeing people, basically. Okay. I'm not sensing any outright hostility. 
They are surprised. They aren't really sure what we are, why we're here. But just remember that if they get surprised, they might lash out. And we take it slow. Yes. Alright. Mirela, come with me. I want you two to keep a watch on our backs. Unless I give a signal, nobody shoots. I will follow orders and, uh, yeah, Johnny's as ever ready with weapons, but beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Murphy's gonna head out with the doctor um, and slowly approach. She's gonna put her phaser away and slowly approach with her hands raised. Minding that it's raining and just being like, yeah, it's raining. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> the the <laughs> um, darkness just... out here is all, it's, it's almost like it's nighttime kind of thing, but it, it you, you know from the time of day that it was that you've been down that this is, um, you know, th- this is 100% down to it being the storm above really yeah. raging and blocking out all of the sunlight. It's not pitch black, but um, the main source of lighting, uh, other than the burning transport <laughs> pattern enhancer, and um, I guess you, did you guys have a light on in the in the tent? I would assume some sort of light. Makes sense. I don't yeah. Know, yeah. That you're the main source of light here, other than the uh, now very frequent flashes of lightning, kind of from all directions. And um, as you sort of take a few steps forward, this this figure hasn't really moved, but they you can tell they're kind of watching you. Um, it really, you still get this kind of just sort of feeling of curiosity now, as you as you take a step closer. Their face beneath the hood is lit by a, uh, a fairly close flash of lightning. You can see they appear to be uh, a human uh, in their late teens. It's tough to gauge exactly, partly down to the sort of rough kind of um, bits of sort of mud camouflage that they seem to have sort of daubed onto their face and onto their clothing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you would guess just from their kind of general size and from what you can make out in this sort of uh, low, harsh lighting, they could be anywhere from 15 to 20 years old, something like that. Murphy's going to realise this and be like, oh, right. Hi. They just kind of seem to sort of regard you for a second before replying. Uh, hello? Hello? Um... Please, um, thank you, firstly, um, but please, um, come in to the tent if we promise we're, we're from Starfleet. Um, we're on a, uh, reconnaissance mission investigating a dilithium signature. We assumed it might have been a ship. Who are you? He's kind of looking back and forth between uh, the pair of you and the tent, uh, where I would assume uh, Johnny and Ray are keeping a close eye on proceedings. I'm... I'm Jovar. Uh, you're new here. I am new. I'm... I'm Lieutenant Commander Murphy. Um, this is Dr. Arula. Over there we have Ensign Conhart. And over here we have Lieutenant Commander Ray. Tenen was a lieutenant commander. He glances up at the sky at the sound of a, a quite close lightning strike. We ought to get back. The storm's getting worse. There's more of you. How many more? Three others. Uh, they're back at the house. You have a house? E- yeah, it's, it's where we live. We ought to go. Come on. Connor, pack up the tent. I sir. We're moving out. Murphy, I'm really curious. 
<laughs> I rather think it's going to take more than one person with ten yeah. commanders. True. I'll assist the ensign. Well, it was grimacing at the, at the order to begin with, and uh, <laughs> visibly relaxed a little bit now that he's got some help. What are you doing with the uh, pattern enhancers? Oh yeah, I'll I'll um, I'll go in. One of them's on fire. Oh. Are, are they any good with one of them gone? You need three, I think. Yeah, no, they're not great with just one. With one uh, broken, but. Uh, we might have use for it for something else, though. So. There's a lot and of green. Is it still on fire? I, it's it's hissing a lot. It, yeah, it's but it's it's just kind of going out. It's it, it basically it kind of exploded. <laughs> I mean, Johnny shot it with the phaser. Okay, yeah, so I'm helping the uh, ensign pack up the tent. Okay. Yeah. Um, all this time, Joe Rise kind of he's looking around and he he's not like again really you're not really getting a kind of a scared vibe off of him. He's now just kind of he's he's looking around. Is you get the feeling he's almost kind of watching the surroundings. He's he's wary of the four of you because that, as I said, you know you're new, but it's more yeah like I said like awareness awareness of the of the forest and if anything else is out there, maybe he's keeping an eye out for more of the. The predator creatures. You're not. You're not sure, but he's just kind of. He's not like keeping eye contact. He's kind of constantly looking around. Gabriela turns to the newcomer. Is it far to your house? Not too far. Uh, maybe half an hour away. Uh, this weather will slow us down, though. I haven't seen a storm this bad before. Okay, we'll be ready to leave soon. And she glances back towards the tent. These uh, okay, so Starfleet tents and things—it's all designed to be put up quickly and I guess packed away quickly, just for expediency's sake here. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine this is part of the uh, part of standard training—is quick deployal. Uh, deployal is that a word? It is now. Um, deployment <laughs> of um, of the equipment. You got proper use of the equipment, I guess. This is kind of your job to be able to do this stuff. Um, so I feel yeah, like Johnny's you, probably checked supplies of this at some point, or yes. being forced to. And this, yeah, this is going to be familiar to him. Yeah, with, with the um, thought of maybe being on an away mission one day, Johnny has fully versed himself, um, probably more than he needed to in the uh, use of this equipment. <laughs> is that? I was I was thinking as much that it would be that he's been ordered to count these things and check that they're all <laughs> right. and stuff, and that he he's had to put them together and break them back down again and make sure they're all in working order and makes yeah, sense on that basis yeah he yeah. knows his stuff <laughs> um commander yes. is a harsh mistress <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah he, he you're very, very able to very quickly put put your stuff away um so any, any um amount of drying from the heating from the heater is now completely wasted as uh, you are now all stood out in the rain but the um the tree canopy is doing quite a lot but it's very windy and like there's nowhere dry really to hide here yeah the quicker we start moving the better mm. i'm trying to think i swear that like are they're not like starfleet issue cagoules or something i mean yeah, like you, jackets you, or something yeah, yeah you, we have them you brought survival equipment with you um so but we're I mean, not yeah, dressed in just like the standard like no, ship uniform right now yeah you could bust no, out ponchos if you want a hundred percent yeah, yeah. <laughs> Official. Should have probably thought of that earlier, but <laughs> I will happily don my space poncho. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I believe when you were getting ready for the mission, you know, all weather equipment was sort of one of the things we put forward. So I think 
<laughs> we can kind of assume you guys brought some brought some jackets with you. <laughs> I've just got this vision of us all like trying to brave the storm and wearing those like on ship uniforms. Yeah. Oh god! Just oh. walking around with like some just like super waterlogged cotton uniforms. <laughs> Like, oh, class around ourselves as we huddle and stumble across <laughs> awkward sets. <laughs> Just at, oh, absolutely drenched, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we could probably even backpedal it a little bit and say that as soon as it started raining earlier on, you probably brought those out. Um, especially probably when you were out keeping watch um, and Ray was modifying the... Um, the pattern enhancer last time. Yeah, my, 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 I imagine I'd have had something to keep me dry while I was doing that. Yeah, I feel like that's a fairly harmless retcon to be that you guys put your jackets on. Mm. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> on our way then. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, good. yeah, good point to make. <laughs> okay, so uh, you give the nod that you're ready to head off, and the boy, uh, Jovar, uh, quickly turns and leads the way into the forest. Uh, he's setting a pretty decent pace. Um, you're able to keep up, but it is a little quicker than you were moving earlier uh, before you encountered the hunting creatures. Uh, you get the feeling uh, he's used to moving through this terrain, through these woods and whatnot. He, does, he seems to know where he's going pretty well. Donnie's going to try and keep pace, okay. if that's the case. Yeah. And then try and keep close to him. Sure. If, he, if he's taken any unusual routes that perhaps everybody else might not be able to take, like under or over things, he's trying to copy that. Okay, so you're trying to like parkour your way through this forest? To some extent. Oh dear. <laughs> okay, um, I wasn't going to make it a check to keep up with him, but you've said you're trying to take unusual routes, so can I get a, I guess this would be, f uh, I guess fitness security. Pretty good for you, you know, that, that's a 15 or under. For what difficulty is it? Difficulty 2, let's say. I'm not going to have you fall unless you get a complete failure. Okay, yeah, so that's two successes, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the... The boy isn't really, he's not like doing flips off of things or anything like that, um, but he's clearly like quite at home in the forest, even during the storm sort of thing. And yeah, you're able to sort of watch where he's stepping and um, keep pace pretty well. Yeah. The rest of you, you, you know, you're, you're still able to keep up, but Johnny's doing the whole kind of running up branches and things. <laughs> not not, not into the trees or anything, but like, yeah, you're sort of, uh, you're, you're, you're doing the best job at keeping up with him, let's say. There is kind of I a conscious, oh, sorry, attempt to like take in his awareness of the surroundings on a yeah. level of like, what are, what's the lay of the land? How does it work? This guy seems to know. What can I learn from the route that he's taking? That kind of stuff is consciously being yeah, thought about yeah. what he's doing. Sure. I was just going to add that Murphy is probably feeling maybe slightly sluggish still from the mm. barbs side. I'd imagine she'd probably be in the middle somewhere just going, oh, yay. <laughs> Yay! Come on, I can move. Yeah. Yay! It's so stiff. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not really keeping the the sort of pace that Johnny's doing here, but um, yeah, you're able. Yeah. As I say, as a group, you're able to keep up fine, and that and everything. It's just a little bit quicker than the um, immediate um, sort of expedition pace you, you were keeping earlier on. Um, um, would probably be keeping an eye on his emotional state. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, as we go along, just to check for anything that might suggest walking us into a trap or danger of some kind. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay, can I get another insight security from you then? 17 and 8. So basically, uh, it's a very similar result to before. Yeah, one success. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, you, you, mostly what you're picking up is still no hostility, really, to and nothing towards you guys at all. There's a, that sort of level of awareness is still there from before of, of his surroundings and a sort of focus on um, sort of what... It, it's a very kind of... You're getting the feeling that it's very kind of an in-the-moment sort of thing. That at all points he's he's sort of keeping a keeping track of what's around him and that is not so much thought as to like you know he's not kind of his mind isn't wandering and thinking about you know things that may happen in the future really the 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 most that you get towards that though is the the further you you're going on there is a kind of building sense of sort of not quite relief but a little bit sort of anticipation you guess sort of related to getting back towards home um, the house, as he put it, um, with uh, you know, with, you know, in, in quite a d- dangerous storm. You know, he's so the anticipation is, oh, we're nearly. It, you would interpret it as like, oh, we're nearly back, kind of relief feeling more than anything else. So, you've been travelling for you think about forty minutes. Uh, it's a little tricky to keep track of the time during this uh, sort of hike through the darkness, um, and you notice the trees begin to thin out a little bit more. And suddenly, before you know it, you're reaching the edge of the dense forest that you've been travelling through. As you leave the trees behind, uh, not only are you buffeted more and more by the wind and rain, uh, now that you're out of um, cover, uh, but you're treated to probably your first proper view in a long time of a sort of wide, full landscape, uh, which is being dramatically lit by a lightning storm of incredible proportions. Uh, From horizon to horizon, you can see hundreds of lightning flashes happening, and above you, the thick, dark clouds are sort of churning with the power of this storm. Jovar leads the way towards uh, a group of sort of earthen mounds and uh, a sort of large, what looks like a soaring kind of rocky outcropping uh, that's visible a sort of short distance away from the edge of the forest. He's still kind of keeping up his kind of sort of confident, fast pace, uh, which, yeah, he's still able to match, but um, yeah, he's not really slowing up. <laughs> Um, just before you reach this landmark, however, the sky directly above you is split by a massive flash of lightning, which strikes the central pillar of this rocky outcropping, um, which is towering sort of maybe 50 to 60 metres high above you. The strike illuminates the whole landmark, and you can see that what you first took to be a particularly tall rock formation, it just it simply can't be that. The straight lines and sort of symmetrical structure are unmistakably manufactured. A second strike from behind you lights up the formation again, and you start to kind of put together what you're seeing. This is a ship's warp nacelle embedded in the ground at maybe a 60 to 70 degree angle. Not as big as the ones on the Tenzing by any stretch, but of a sort of familiar looking design. Definitely, you can see what it is, sort of thing. Jovar points ahead to another rise a little distance away. That's the ridge. Uh, we're nearly there. Come on. Thank you. Um, yeah, let's try and get there as quick as we can. I don't particularly want to be struck by lightning, too. I'm going to... <clears throat> I'm going to take out a tricorder and scan it as we're walking past. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just out of curiosity, see if I can pick up any readings or markers that might identify sure. exactly what it came from, what she became from, or... Sure, can I get a reason science check? Um, I'm going to say difficulty two. Um, 
for that specific thing of figuring out what ship it came from or whatever. But I will give you some information if, if you get one success. Okay. Just not the full thing. Here we go. Ten and a one. Well, that is, uh, that's a critical and um, another success. So that's three successes. I have thrown out the piece of paper that I had written down how much momentum you guys have had on, but it goes down after, after scenes, so... Mm. <laughs> yeah. I will, um... You, you generated. You did, yes, yeah. I think you were down. Were you down to two or down to three? I think we we're down to two. Down at to the two. Time. Okay. And now we're, we've kind of moved on, as you've kind of been walking for you know quite some time. So let's say we're still at two then, because you would have lost one at the end of that scene, mm. and you've just regained one by getting one more success in needed. Okay. Ooh. So <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we're still at two. Um, maintaining. Um, so, uh, a quick tricorder scan then uh, confirms that this is definitely made of tritanium. Uh, more specifically, a tritanium alloy that was used in the construction of Federation starships from the late 23rd century until probably about 30 years ago, uh, and it's been sort of superseded by more recent developments in material sciences. Uh, it's not completely out of use, there's definitely some older ships still flying that make use of this particular alloy, but it's uh, sort of no longer used in constructing uh, new ones. Uh, definitely a Federation manufacturer, though. Fascinating. And then looks over and realises he's fallen behind the others a little bit. So then closes up the tricorder and begins to try and catch them up. Mm. You, tra- you travel again in um, silence for about an- about another five minutes, I'd say. Actually, uh, Ray, you- you're able to catch up, but um, yes, you were you were in danger of being left behind as you stopped for a scan. <laughs> um, you crest the ridge that Jovar has led you to and look down into a shallow, fairly narrow uh, valley in the surface of the plain. Uh, Jovar points down into it. There's the house. Come on. Following where he indicates, you can just about make out, down in the valley itself, at the far end, a structure of some sort, about 100, 150 metres away from you. It's tough to make out details uh, through the rain and the darkness, uh, but there are some telltale lights visible shining from it, and uh, you can see it's clearly not a natural formation. Oh, let's just let's get in the dry then. <laughs> are we close enough for me to try and get a read on the other two people that are here? Not really close enough. No, I would say just for clarification as well. Um, he had said there was there was three others. Sorry. Three others, right? So with him, that's four, is it? Yeah, him and he said there were three others back at the house. Okay. So there's him and three others, which makes a party of four. Yeah. It's a little more kind of sheltered down in this sort of valley depression. And uh, as a result, the structure isn't getting lit by so much of the lightning um, as the uh, as the other things were. Uh, if it wasn't for the lights kind of visible on it, um, it'd definitely be easy to miss. Uh, Jovar leads you down into the depression along what you quickly realise is a path that's been cut into the side of the valley itself, uh, leading down to the bottom. And although you're still exposed to the rain, uh, the wind itself isn't nearly as bad down here as it has been since you left the forest. Um, He leads you along the valley uh, towards the structure, uh, picking up his pace a little as he approaches. Um, Arila, you can feel a sort of sense of of warm anticipation from him um, that you would interpret as... uh, Uh, Pleasure at returning home. Um, As you all get a little closer, you can see that the building 
is of metal construction, similar in kind of look and patina to the warp nacelle uh, that you saw previously. It's about three stories high and appears to be kind of partially embedded into the earth at the end of the valley itself. Uh, the lower of the three stories has sort of earth and soil heaped around it on either side, um, but all of it there's, you know, this, this doesn't look like it's been recently churned up. There's plant growth, um, snaking up onto the side of the structure and from this i mean obviously limited by the view <laughs> limited by the weather kind of view that you've got of it it does look to have been here for quite some time murphy's gonna glance around and then look behind them and then look try and look like around the structure and be like this is the crashed ship you know what i said about maybe finding lost ships i hate it when i'm right I wouldn't hate it since we're about to rescue four people. Well, we knew there had to be a source of the Dilithium signal. How long have they been here? Based on the scan I took of the titanium structure back there, the ship has definitely got to be somewhere in the region of maybe 40 to 50 years old, if not more. So potentially... They may be the descendants of crash-landing survivors. At this point, the the boy kind of he reaches a doorway, um, which now you can see it is an exterior airlock, standard design. Still, you know, there's there's identical airlocks on the Tenzing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, which he pulls open manually. It doesn't appear to have power, and kind of beckons you inside. There is light coming from the inside, but it's. Um, yeah, the, this airlock itself doesn't seem to be powered in any way. Jovar, how long have you all been here? Uh, well, I've always been here. And how old are you? Uh, I, well, I'm I'm nineteen. All right. I think I think my parents and Tenen weren't always here though. Um, they don't really like to talk about it. All right. Um, you might want to introduce us first and prepare them. Uh, we'll wait in the doorway here, um, out of the rain. Uh, okay. Um, I'm sure they'll be happy to see you, though. Uh, yeah, uh, they might be. Um, but also, it's 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 a little polite. We're, we we're imposing on your home, um, so. It's just, uh, it's just, just manners, just polite manners. Uh, okay, sure. He turns to open the inner airlock hatch, uh, but as he reaches for it, it's pulled open from the inside, and the doorway is filled first with light, but then with the almost silhouetted form of an older, bearded human man. You'd put him somewhere in his mid-fifties, maybe. Son, what did I tell you about going out there? This ain't no regular storm. You could have gotten hurt. It's then that he clocks the four of you standing there behind Jovar and just sort of stares wide-eyed for a moment. Who... Who are you? Hello, um... Amila <clears throat> looks over at the people we've just kind of landed on. Hmm. We are members of Starfleet, and we were sent to investigate a dilithium signal. Jovar was kind enough to help us out when you came upon us unexpectedly. 
He's sort of shaken off his kind of momentary shock at seeing you all and steps forward to clasp you by the hands. Starfleet. <laughs> We've been here for so long, we'd, uh, we'd given up on being found. Puts his hand on Jovar's shoulder. I'm, uh, I'm Ensign William Lance of the, the USS Tier. Well, what's left of it. You met my boy here, Jovar. It's good to see all of you. Can Irula get a read on his reaction? Is he being genuine? Sure, yeah. I do a, uh, I guess, do a, um, an insight security again. Um, this will only be difficulty one. Well, that's a, <laughs> a success and a critical fail. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know possibly how this would go wrong, but I mean, I'll just have that generate some threat. <laughs> that's a yeah, 20 yeah. and a 9. Um, you're, you're, okay, here's what I'll say then. Um, so he, he definitely seems genuine, but you're, you're kind of caught by surprise a little bit by, especially when he, he grabs your hand at sort of the, how overwhelmingly relieved he sort of feels. And it sort of takes you a little bit by surprise and sort of seems to drown out any other senses. You're not sensing this as malicious in any way, but um, yeah. It's a bit overwhelming. Yes, it's a bit overwhelming, but he seems genuine. In that case, he really will just smile at him. Come on, come in out of the cold and wet. Uh, looks awful out there. I told Jovar to make sure he was back before the storm hit. I was out hunting. I uh, I lost track of time. Sorry, Dad. They're kind of coming in and drying, like, I assume we're taking off our wet weather gear and what have you. Yeah. Um, Johnny kind of remarks to him and says, it's a good thing that he was out hunting because he saved my bacon. Your son there is a great shot. He just kind of looks at his son with sort of a look of... Yeah, you get a feeling of genuine kind of warmth. Of his sort of... Like, proud of his son kind of thing. He doesn't really say anything. He just sort of... You're sensing the concern, you know, about he didn't want his son to go out, but he's proud that his son was able to help you out. Johnny kind of looks to the son and smiles and nods a little bit. Yeah. Because, I mean, I guess Johnny's really only not... Only a few years older than... The son of his That's it. There's a certain amount of like he, he appreciates the kid's skill. He saw the way he moved through the forest. Yeah, he wants to see that that's acknowledged. He doesn't want to see his dad like taking him down a notch. Little camaraderie. Com- camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, you finally step into the ship, uh, the ship's hull proper. And uh, although what you're in is recognisable as a ship's corridor uh, of Starfleet manufacture, now that you know what you're looking for, um, it's also clear that this has been here for quite some time and has basically been fully converted into a home, a dwelling of of some sort. It's not the clean and clear sort of sterile corridors that you'd find on a a working Starfleet vessel. Um, There doesn't appear to be much in the way of electrical power working. There's not none, um, but all of the screens and panels and the walls appear to be inoperative and really maybe only one in every five or six lighting panels seems to be working, although they're not like flickering or anything. They are on. They've been hot-wired. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. You'd imagine they've maybe done quite well to get it working as well as they have, sort of thing. Mr. Lance, thank you for inviting us in. Um... Jovar mentioned that there were three others plus him. Does that mean that there that you are not the only survivor from the crash of the ship? Yeah, that's right. Uh, there's myself, Jovar, uh, my wife Sarah, and uh, Tanin. We're all that's left. 
We weren't the only ones to survive the crash, but uh, a couple didn't last long after it. And, uh, the others, unfortunately, fell victim to various mishaps over the years. As I said, we've, uh, we've been here for some time. Come on, uh, d dinner should be ready soon. Let's, uh, let's sit down upstairs, we'll tell you the whole story. He leads the way through the corridors, uh, up a set of spiralling wooden stairs that seem to have been built into what was once a turbo lift shaft, and finally into a large open plan room uh, with a sturdy looking wooden table and chairs in the centre of it. Um, it's lit with a mixture of candles and uh, a few lighting panels that the survivors have managed to get working, and you realise this room was once the ship's bridge. As you enter, you hear a woman's voice calling from the next room. William, is that Joe far back? I'm just about done cooking. A human woman, uh, also you'd say in her, probably in her 50s, uh, enters from another door carrying a large serving bowl of food. Uh, as she clocks your presence, uh, she gasps and nearly drops the bowl. What? Who? Sarah, uh, Jovar found these folks out in the storm. They're from Starfleet. That's right. Um, we've come from the USS Tenzing. Is is your ship in orbit now? Yes. Yeah. She looks to her husband. William, William, they can't be up there now. Is there a reason why they can't? The planet's magnetic field. It's in flux when the sun reaches solar maximum. We, we couldn't predict it. It's, uh, it's what caused our ship to crash 28 years ago. Uh, the variances, they're so subtle, our sensors didn't register them at first. And, well, before we knew it... Uh, our orbit had decayed. The tear just fell out of the sky. Is that why you're here? To, to watch the solar storm? Well, yes, we came to observe the aurora. Um, but while we were in orbit, we detected dilithium and tritanium signatures, and we were sent down to investigate. I just hope your ship has a hell of a pilot. Uh, it was too late for us to save the tear by the time we realised what was happening. Uh, William and I were the helmsman and navigator. Uh, we did our best, but, well... There were 45 crew before the crash. Eight survived. Well, after the storm, we'll be back in contact with her. Assuming they don't fall into the same trap. Hopefully the issue won't be too um, taxing on the new sensors. I just hope that's the case. If, we, on, if we're, um, we're on board a ship at the moment, a crash ship, obviously the system's pretty badly damaged and whatnot. Is it is it worth us attempting to get a message up to the Tenzing using instruments on the ship to boost the signal through the storm? Because mm. our communicators probably wouldn't be strong enough on their own, but now we're on board a ship. We can with... we could probably retrofit some stuff and mm. we've got stronger a bit stronger broadcast ability, even though the tech's older, it'll definitely be a lot stronger than our com badges. Mm. Maybe we should check in with the Tenzing and make sure they're aware of the situation. Yeah, we need to. Check. We need. To, we've been trying to. Well, Murphy's been trying to heal them, um, with her com badge, and when they were back in the tent, um, and they still haven't had contact. And we were supposed to have hourly checkups, but we couldn't because of the interference. But yeah, definitely, we should, if if it's possible, try and do something like that. Well, if you think that'll work, uh, we haven't been able to send a proper transmission since the crash. Uh. Nearly all of the tier's complex electronic systems were fried by the storm when we were coming down, and, uh, and uh, a lot of what was left was destroyed in the impact itself. We don't need to talk, we just need to send a signal. 
So even if it's Morse code, as long as we can get somebody's going to notice. I think we could probably send through Morse code as a as a bit signal. If we can affect at least a basic repair on the communications array, perhaps we could hardwire one of our comm badges into it and then use the tapping frequency to send a message over subspace up to the Tenzig. Should be able, that should be able to break through the storm. That's a good thought, but uh, the comms array was part of the ship's lower structure. Which is... Basically gone. Uh, it took the worst of the impact. Uh, the upper... Uh, section of the ship sheared off and well we managed to turn it into this but as for the rest of it uh, afraid there's not much but a bunch of twisted metal at the other end of the valley ah we were lucky to survive at all you're inside pretty much all that's left of the USS Tear Oberth class starship may she rest in peace still what better place to ride out this planet's once in a generation storms <laughs> been grounded one way or another thank you for um for taking us in and i'm sorry it's taking so long for us to find you we've not expected rescue for well for some time especially not without a working beacon uh, tenen tried to build a short-range radio some time ago but uh, it didn't come to anything well we'll get ray to have a look at it and see if some of our brains can cobble together in a, a plan or we'll just wait out the storm and wait for communications to clear up enough that we can get a message well we've been here 28 years what's another couple of days she reaches out and takes her husband's hand and sort of gives it a squeeze don't worry we'll get you off this rock Jovar why don't you go tilt and then that uh, dinner's ready uh, I'm sure we'll be excited to meet our new visitors <laughs> Jovar nods and uh, leaves the room. Uh, you all take seats around the table, and uh, the boy returns shortly, helping along a grey-haired Vulcan man. Uh, it's tough to gauge ages with Vulcans, uh, but this one looks to be a little bit on the older side. He takes a seat at the table and sort of helps himself to some food, slowly looking around at each of you as he does before raising an eyebrow. Hmm. Took them long enough. He chooses food, thoughtfully, for a couple of seconds. Jovar, I would be most obliged if you could help me gather my belongings before our departure. Jovar looks a little confused. Uh, yeah, but where are we going? He looks up at his parents and to all of you. Well, son, we can... We can go anywhere. We can... We can go to Earth. We can... We can see where our family's from. We can finally leave. Jovar kind of like frowns, not not in like full confusion, but more more that like the idea of like leaving this place, like going or like even being anywhere else wasn't really a thing that he'd ever considered before, if that makes sense. But but we live here. You could come back here at some later point if you wish. Coming onto our ship doesn't mean that you would be staying there forever. Well, What's a ship? And Think of it like a house. <laughs> at the three adults that raised him, like, <laughs> are you kidding me here? <laughs> we did our best to teach Jovar about the Federation and such when he was young. About how this used to be a starship, uh, but 
frame of reference is everything. Uh, none of our computers work. We couldn't even show him images of what we're talking about. Uh, he's only ever known this world. Over time, the, the tear had just become the house, and uh, I guess all that other stuff just wasn't important anymore. We had our lives here to live. The inside of our ship is it's bigger than your home. Quite a bit bigger than your home. But it travels. It can travel between different worlds. That also means that the people who are on it can make decisions about which world to be in. Well, you would have a choice about it. The rest of us signed up for Starfleet. But I'm sure that arrangements could be made. The Vulcan, uh, Tenen, speaks up at this point. Hmm. To return to Vulcan would be most agreeable. The humidity of this planet can be uncomfortable, especially in the summer months. To see my family once again would also be most agreeable. He sort of, he hasn't really looked up from his food, he's just kind of stoically kind of like, he's sort of, he's kind of acknowledged, ah, okay. As if, as if there wasn't really a doubt that you were going to be rescued, that they were going to, you know, they were going to be rescued, it's just like he, (laughs) he's just, ah, okay, here we go, right, you know, finally, (laughs) sort of thing. Um, yeah. Tough to read though, Vulcans. Let's sort of fade through the evening then. Uh, the four of you enjoy a uh, delicious meal of uh, local produce uh, around the table with the four survivors here. And uh, throughout the evening, you're sort of told the full story of the USS Tear and its crew. Uh, you learn that the ship was on a kind of general survey mission in this sector uh, when they stopped off in this system at the request of the ship's scientists to observe the star's solar maximum in a kind of eerie mirror to your own <laughs> arrival in the system. Um, William and Sarah again describe how they tried to save the ship, even as it plunged through the atmosphere to its doom, uh, how they were the only two crew on the bridge to survive, uh, how over the years their small group of originally eight was whittled down. Uh, the ship's doctor, having survived the crash, uh, died a couple of weeks later from their wounds, and uh, a patient they were caring for shortly after. Several months later, another survivor was attacked and killed by one of the same type of creatures that had earlier been hunting your group. Uh, William has named these creatures Rippers. Two others also died in the intervening nearly three decades, uh, leaving of the original survivors only Lieutenant Commander Tenen, the ship's chief engineer, Ensign William Lands, helmsman, and Ensign Sarah Franks, navigator. They all made as good a life for themselves as they could, marooned on this world. Sarah and William having a son together, Jovar, a decade after the crash. I'd imagine we would be like sharing the updates of what's happened. Yes. In their absence as well, like the Dominion War and yeah, and oh, yeah. and the the worm the discovery of the wormhole and and the, and the loss of Voyager and. Yeah, there's a lot of questions which you hadn't expected, like what's a Ferengi and like <laughs> what are the Borg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot to yeah. be caught up on. Um, they crashed 28 years ago, uh, which I believe would put that about uh, we're in 2378, aren't we? So that's about 13, 14 years even before the start of TNG in the timeline. Yeah. Oh, God. So there's a lot of stuff they've not heard of before and uh well it's, 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 so i imagine the crew of this ship were probably in the kind of 
the, the red and black uniforms yeah. no all sign over. of any of that anymore though they seem to be wearing kind of homespun gear <laughs> and that but yeah. bits of it kind of showing being patched together out of whatever uniform stores were left on board and such yeah. but um yeah they're very much need a lot of catching up <laughs> on what on the comings and goings of the galaxy Okay, so inevitably then, as talk turns to what is coming next then, uh, there's a decision to be made. Uh, you can either hunker down and just sort of wait out the storm, or you could maybe take a look at the short-range radio that was mentioned earlier on. Um, I don't see why we can't do both. Yeah, we should try to fix the... Uh... Mm. Right, well, hmm. see what we can do with the radio. It's not necessarily fixed, but... I mean, we'll still be waiting, technically, while we're trying this... Um, retrofit. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 not it's a use of our time while exactly. we're waiting. It's, it's a lovely way to spend an afternoon. It's, I don't see much harm in trying. Yeah, mm. I mean we're 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 we're, we're Starfleet. We love to tinker while we wait. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it might be it might be a good idea also to see if um to see if one of us can effect a repair on the busted pattern enhancer. Yeah, or if or we if they have anything that we can retrofit to fix it as well. I'm gonna be real with you, that's not getting fixed. No. <laughs> or if they've got any okay. or, or do they have or do they have any a good, amount, a good, a good amount of it's missing. <laughs> right. And burned and melted. Uh, as um Johnny's sat there with everybody he's he's thinking about the fact that he shot the um pan enhancer and is feeling kind of stupid about it. He looks over to Tanen and says, um, do you have anything like a pattern enhancer aboard? Any, any equipment along those lines? Possibly. It has been some time since I checked the transporter room stores. A room that was never going to be used for its original purpose again, without proper power and maintenance. Well, we've got a portable generator with us in the survival stuff. Have we not? Not and you do, but you can't run a transporter room with it. Um, it wouldn't would it necessarily be the transporter room, or could, would we be able to take components? Or um, I mean, really, I, I mean, you don't need the generator for the pattern part. enhancers. If there's a pattern enhancer sort of thing in there, you could, you know, we just wait for the Tenzing yeah. to be able to pick us up, and then they beam us up from their end. But the the portable generator you have with you is not powerful enough to power up the the. Um, transporter room of the tier itself in in conjunction with the other because we've still got the other pieces of the pan enhance like because it's usually like yeah. four of these things that they set up around something that they yeah, want to transfer the other the other two aren't damaged um okay so we've got two although left. that said i believe i said something about modifying them to turn them into infrared things might be an irreversible modification true you did so see that kind of uh, it's, yeah, actually so that is a fair point yeah Okay, so hearing There's no that... There's looking, though. Yeah. Yeah, if we find another complete set, we could use those. Mm. Anson, do you want to uh, accompany Tenen and see if uh, and see if they have got anything like that still on board that we could use? And I'll see about trying to uh, retrofit some fresh communication ability. I'll be honest, Lieutenant Commander, my engineering skills are really not that great. I've been hanging out with Bonds for a while, but I've not really picked that much up off of him. True, but your fetching skills should be good enough, shouldn't they? I suppose, but I'm just think, wondering if... Am I going to be able to recognise 
This is old technology, sir. I, I, I'm not quite sure what I'm looking at all the time. That's why Tenen is going with you. Indeed. Rely on the experience of the years. Oh, of course. And he kind of pulls himself together and looks over at Tenen, a little bit embarrassed, and uh, says, um, um, are you finished with the meal? Should we, um, should we go now? When the when the man is ready, you will go. You can go with him. Never rush a feasting Vulcan. <laughs> I I am prepared now, Ensign. He um, oh. stands up from the, the table. Jo- Jovar sort of goes to sort of help him up, and he's just raises a hand. Thank you, Jovar, but I believe I will be fine. Um, he sort of. He's not very quick, but he leads the way out of the bridge slash dining room, uh, okay. communal area, <laughs> kind of thing. Johnny kind of follows attentively, mm-hmm. feeling kind of not not necessarily like copying Jovar's attentiveness quite to that extent, but definitely keeping an eye. Like this guy could topple. It seems like Jovar's doing this for a reason. Mm. He uh, he leads the way uh, out of the the sort of main sort of communal living area deck bit uh, back down the wooden staircase which you traversed earlier um, onto the middle of the house's three levels Uh, he doesn't seem to really be having a lot of trouble walking I will say but he is a bit slow Um, the very least (laughs) a lot slower than Jovar was when he was leading you through the forest earlier Um, so yeah Tenen he leads you through the corridors to a small storage room uh, across the hall from a door which uh, still bears a sign you can see uh, that says uh, transporter room Uh, the storage room is quite dark though Uh, looks like none of the lighting panels in here have been repaired Uh, and uh, Tenen turns to you Ensign do you have a light of any sort I sir and he pulls out a flashlight and starts shining it around slowly scanning the uh, surroundings. Just Tenen will do fine, Ensign. It has been many years since ranks have held meaning for us here. Uh, okay, well let's um, let's look for the uh, let's look for some pattern enhancers and Johnny's kind of taken aback because his dogmatism is very much tested by that kind of notion of like <laughs> just because you crashed, like we're here now. <laughs> He's not going to say that. You think you'd see the the Vulcan note your uncomfortableness at his words, but he doesn't say anything else to that. So, shining your torch around, uh, you can see it's a little bit of a mess in here, but there's sort of crates stacked against the walls and um, a couple of sort of lockers that have mostly come loose from the walls, you guess maybe in the original crash and they just never saw a reason to put them back together again. Can I get, then, an insight security check from you as you look for this equipment? Uh, difficulty one, I think. An 11 and a 3. All right, uh, that's, two, oh, that's two successes. That's uh, one more than you need, so mark some momentum. So, yeah, it takes you a little bit of time to go through it. Um, the room, as I said, it's in a bit of a state there, but you've managed to find a, a crate uh, buried, actually, at the back underneath some other things. So you do have to... You, you put your back into it a little bit again, sort of supervised by Tenen, who's just kind of watching you do all the heavy lifting. Um, so, in a way, this place isn't that different to, you know, it's, it's a familiar feel of being <laughs> your your back breaking labour being overseen by a lieutenant commander. Um, in life, yeah. <laughs> um, you, you're able to unearth this crate and you open it, and it Tenen says, uh, "I believe these will suffice." And 
the technology it's a little different it's definitely um a little bit more kind of primitive looking than um the ones that you carried with you but these do appear to be earlier versions of pattern enhancers okay um johnny kind of gathers these up um and i guess they make their way back okay uh, okay, so uh, while Johnny and Tanen uh, went off on their search, uh, what were the rest of you up to? Well, I think I offered to um, make a start on trying to retrofit some communication equipment so we can get a message out to the Tenzing. Okay, so uh, William leads you across to what once looks to have been the bridge's communications console, and you can see that hooked into it, not like untidily, but clearly, you know, not disturbed for some time, is uh, a bit of a mess of wires and electronic components that have just been sort of set to one side uh, by the looks of things. Tanem was pretty sure he got this working, but uh, range is limited, and uh, as far as we could remember, the nearest Federation system is, uh, well, it's light years away. Uh, we tried for a little while, but, well, it was always a long shot. It appears um, to you to just be a kind of fairly basic, um, just regular radio. It's not a communicator. It's it's just what they've been able to cobble together using yeah, regular radio electromagnetic waves. <laughs> um, not much bit better than uh, a CB, basically. Okay. The first thought that comes to Ray's head is, can he take? Can he use? circuitry from the from his com badge because it is slightly newer tech potentially link that into the system and use that as a means of giving the radio a boost it would actually probably be the other way around like you could maybe use the um the system that they've got built in as like a as an antenna for your com badge would be the way ah. to go on it rather than because we've already kind of established that your combadges aren't cutting through the, um, you know, aren't powerful enough to cut through the interference on their own, sort of thing. No, but if they've, but if there's an antenna that it, like, we can bounce the signal off of, well, more just kind trick. of boost it through a bigger, bigger antenna, basically. Okay, I'm willing to give that a go then. Okay, this is going to be quite tough. So, to. Um, yeah, I think I've I've got a I've got a collaboration skill for engineering, but I think I need somebody else that actually knows engineering to help me with it. Yes. So this um, might you do be have some bit. momentum to spend, but basically this is going to be a difficulty three right. uh, reason engineering check. We got we got two momentum. I think it's confirmed earlier. So I spend one mm -hmm. to get another dice. The rest of the group okay with that? Yep. Yep. That's fine. Okay. So this is going to be 3d20. Okay, so you were going for reason engineering, so you were looking for 16 or under, so that is three successes with Whoa, a 14, hey. a 5, and a 5. So, yeah. Again, this takes you a little bit of time. It would be safe to say uh, Murphy looking over the shoulder a little bit after, because you'd already done some tinkering with the badge. Could make this a little bit of a group effort, unless you wanted to be doing something else. No, I'm happy to lend a hand. Yeah, I was just thinking. I was thinking back to you trying similar things with your badge. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you need me to roll? Well, no, I don't need you to roll anything. I just narratively, okay. um, maybe uh, you see what uh, Ray is trying to do, and uh, between the two of you, then 
you're able to um, just about wire in a combat. Just a little bit different because this is a kind of that this is kind of a, a bit of a homemade radio anyway. It's not a standard interface or anything really like that. But over the course of uh, probably most of the time, that you know takes Johnny to find the pattern enhancer. So I didn't don't think I actually put a time on that, but let's say half an hour or so. You're finally able to kind of hook your badge in, and um, with some brief tests, you're able to. You, you think it's, you think that it's all working together. You're not sure if you're going to be able to send your voice over it particularly well, but you're definitely going to be able to get a signal out through it. Good job, Ray. Let's see if it works. Try and raise them. Away party to Tenzing. Min, please. This is Lieutenant Commander Ray to USS Tenzing. Please respond. You get back not a recognizable voice, but a bit of static that is definitely it picking something up. You think you hear it's 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 like you know when you hear like a static thing, it's like, oh I think it sounds like a person in there somewhere, but you're not making out any words or anything, it's just kind of like mm. a sound <laughs> sort of thing. Right. Tenzing, we're getting static back through, but we we can sort of detect voices. If you could, if you can hear us, keep the ship as f clear from the ionosphere as you can. Repeat, move the ship away from the planet and keep it a safe distance. Storm system likely to cause problems with the ship. Again, there's another pause and then a slightly longer kind of noise that again you you just kind of like. You're not sure what the response is, but you definitely got another sort of staticky signal coming through that sounds sounds like there's a voice in there somewhere, but you can't make out anything on it. So okay. I guess you can just kind of hope for the best at this point. But you 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 know you're getting a, you're getting a return. You just can't make out yeah. anything out through it. All right. Um, I'll close off the message then, just with an extra update. We found survivors from a crashed Federation ship. When the stormfront clears. We'll attempt communications again. I repeat, survivors found four alive. We'll resume communications again after the storm has cleared, but keep the ship away from the planet's ionosphere. Ray out. Let's just hope they heard what we were trying to say. The point is the signal got through. They'll be able to analyse it, hopefully. Get at least most of what we said out. Be scramble the message and make it clearer, yeah. Mm. Hopefully the storm will pass and we can get back to the ship. You sound a bit homesick. We can get a signal back. I know. <laughs> uh, I don't really want to stay in a forest that has exploding pine cones. <laughs> yeah, the absolute cheek of them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Murphy gives me a death stare. Yep. <laughs> See if you weren't my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you picked a pretty choice place to beam down. Uh, those paralyzing spines are no joke. Thankfully, the plans for those are mostly concentrated down in the valley. You just gotta be careful around them. Oh, we noticed. We noticed. Yeah, Murphy definitely noticed. I'm afraid that hole in my cheek <laughs> aren't very good at being quiet huh. well that's the trick uh, 
you learned a hard lesson the hard way by the sounds of things then. I won't make the same mistake again. Well, it's a, although it should be said that our ensign was able to trick one of the animals into making a loud enough noise to get itself stung by those things. Gave us a little bit of an advantage. Uh, well, uh, yeah, that's one way of doing it. Sounds like your ensign's a sharp one. Mm. Dr. Arela, how about you? Uh, anything you'd like to have been doing? Not sure there's anything practical that the doctor could really be doing. Um, so probably just quietly interacting with the other survivors and trying to settle any nerves that they probably have. Mm. Because even though even though they wanted to be found and to be rescued, it's still been a very long time. Yeah, it's a bit of a shock, sort of. And that's going to take you know, some time to actually sink in and have emotional reactions to Hmm. That now of all times, that on the anniversary of their crash, that um, this should be the time that you, uh, you know, help arrived is a bit. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so um, yes, yeah, so, yeah. You 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 continue talking with um, Sarah and William have sort of stayed, and and uh, Jovar have kind of stayed at the table together. And Jovar is he's he's quite quiet the whole time, um, but you, you get the sense he's listening intently. Um, this is this is all quite new to him. We're talking a little bit, and uh, Sarah says, uh, uh, "If you don't mind me asking, Doctor, uh, are you a Delton?" Yes, I am. Ah, my uh, my roommate at the academy was from Delta. I wonder whatever happened to them. How long were you on board your ship before it crashed? Not very long. Uh, maybe six months. The tier was my first assignment right out of Starfleet Academy. A small ship. Uh, I'd hoped it would be a short deployment before bigger things. <laughs> Funny that. Didn't expect all of this, that's for sure. No. That must have been quite a shot. Yes, well. And you will have had, I assume, no news from the outside. Nothing from off-world. No, uh, not a thing. As far as we know, your ship's the first to even visit this system since the tier. Still, some good came out of all this. She clutches the hand of her husband and looks smiling at her son. I'm glad you were able to find positives and joy, despite the surrounding. Yes, it's uh, it's been a journey, shall we say. <laughs> Once we're aboard the Tenzing, you're all welcome to come and talk to me if you need. At any point. That, uh, yes, that's, uh, that would be good, Doctor. Thank you. There's, as ever, so many things happen over the years. But, but all of that can wait. You don't need to worry about it just now. It's funny, I, uh, haven't thought about them for so long, but I left my parents and sister back on Earth. Uh, I wonder what's become of them all. William squeezes her hand. We'll get to find out, together. Tenen's daughter as well. <laughs> sure he's anxious to see her again. I'm sure we'll have our hands full planning this family reunion. <laughs> At this point, Johnny and uh, Tenen sort of make their way back into the chamber. Johnny, you're kind of lugging these rather large case of old <laughs> pattern answers with you. Is this something you could drop on the table? Like um, the, the box? Probably best to like... just put it down next to it. <laughs> It's a fairly. It, it, they, 
pattern enhancers have gotten a bit more compact over the years um, and a bit more foldable. These these are a bit chunkier. Okay, so he kind of. I mean, Johnny's quite fit, so he's he's not too worn out by it. But he puts it down. Yeah. Oh, you're not struggling, but yeah, it's yeah. Drops it down. Um, goes over to the um, rest of the commanding officers near the radio and says, um, "We uh we've acquired some pattern enhancers. They look a little bit outdated, but they should do the job." Good job, Ensign. Thank you, Tenen. Vulcan just nods, inclines his head. A gesture that you actually you're quite familiar with. It's um, you've worked with a few Vulcans over the years, and it's it's one that you've even seen the second in command of the Tenzing uh, use herself. It's just a sort of it's the catch-all Vulcan, of course. Sort of nod mm. says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't really say anything. He just goes and sits back at the table. We also managed to raise the ship, but we couldn't get a clear signal. But at least we got a signal. We relayed the information. And that's all we'll have we can do for now. Okay, well I guess we're waiting out the storm. Anybody bring any cards? <laughs> <laughs> um, are you setting up the enhancers? What are you? What's the? Yeah, I think oh, that's yeah. a smart thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Check they're okay. Check they're okay. See if we can get them running. That way we're prepped for when we are able to attempt to beam out. Hmm. So yeah, they they appear to be mostly in working order. The the um the onboard kind of power packs have died a little, a little bit, but they do still all power up. Um, you guess that's just kind of running down for. They've been sat in a cupboard for thirty years nearly. So um yeah, they're they're no Nokia thirty two tens. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so if you drop them, they will break. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they all they they you're able to power all three on. Excellent. So you set them up uh, in an open area of the room and wait. Ten minutes pass. Twenty. There's a shimmering in the air. A tricorder appears and falls to the floor. Ah! That must have come from the Tenzing. It does look... Yeah, it's a modern-style tricorder, much like the ones you're carrying. Murphy picks up the tricorder. Yeah, so flip, flipping it open, there it does say there's a there's a message has been recorded on it. Press for the message. The, you press play on the message, and it's the, the captain's voice. Murphy, this is Captain Collins. We uh, received a signal from the surface at your location some time ago, but we're unable to make much of it through the distortion. The Tenzing has encountered some anomalies in the vicinity of the planet, which were affecting our orbit. As such, we've moved away from the planet as a precautionary measure. From our viewpoint, that storm is showing no immediate signs of clearing, so do your best to sit tight for now. We'll re-enter transporter range in 12 hours' time and try to re-establish contact then. Good luck. Collins out. Good. At least they got the ship out of trouble. For now. You get the feeling from it that they'd realised earlier than the crew of the tier did that um, something was wrong, and they've managed to get out of uh, out of danger. Yay, so first you, updated sensor. Yeah. <laughs> you would imagine that they would avoid any further mm. issue. So I think we can probably jump forward in time a little bit. You're able to make yourselves pretty well at home in the house. Um, there's plenty of room. 
from the observation gallery, which would have been uh, to the rear of the bridge when it was a ship, uh, but is now a sort of nice lounge with wide windows uh, looking back up the canyon the way you came when you approached. Uh, you're able to sort of watch the storm from safety as it still sort of rages overhead. Um, more nice home-cooked meals are had, and uh, yeah, it's generally a, a rather pleasant way to spend 12 hours. <laughs> um, so yeah, the 12 hours pass, and uh, then this time, uh, not a tricorder, but a data pad appears within the little uh, pattern enhancer circle that you've made, uh, with another message attached. My friend, this is Collins again. Uh, we're still detecting the anomalies in the planet's near-orbital range, so we're keeping the tensing a safe distance still. Dying down though, and the science team predicts you should start seeing some clear skies in the next day or so. The engineers have been beavering away on a runabout to try and make it safe to fly down to you, so uh, as soon as uh, things clear a little, we'll send down a shuttle to pick you up. We've been trying to reach you on comms, but it uh, seems they're still spotty. Colin's out. So yeah, seems like rescue for everyone is pretty imminent. I'd imagine that they'd want to like have an, an, a, a drink in a night just to like, cel- like cel- celebrate being able to leave yeah. <laughs> well, it's your last night on your planet on your yeah. planet <laughs> party <laughs> um, I dem- probably just getting them ready as well and what things they want to bring hmm okay well let's just say then uh, with the captain's vague prediction of clear skies in a day or so uh, you gradually help the survivors to get together the things that they want to bring with them uh, now you know there'll be a runabout coming down. Uh, you're able to say that they don't have to be quite so picky. <laughs> There's plenty of room. Um, by and large, though, it's it's mostly kind of personal mementos and other small items, uh, especially in the case of the older trio. Uh, some of these are personal items that they even had with them back at the time of their original crash. It's a few bits of clothing each, uh, but with the prospect of you know being able to replicate fresh clothes and other basic items once you're on board the Tenzing, that does you know seem to really cut down on the amount of packing a fair bit. Uh, Irila, uh, your promise to Jovar that he'd be able to return someday if he wanted to has seemed to put his mind at rest uh, kind of in that regard, uh, but he still packs up most of his stuff to bring with him, uh, including his bow and the hooded all-weather cloak that he was wearing when you first met him. Um, you do sense a, still sense a little bit of trepidation from him at the idea of leaving the planet, but um, I think that's kind of understandable, really. Uh, from the other three, a, a growing sense of anticipation and relief that their sort of odyssey here on Jakir 2 is finally coming to an end. On the morning of the second day, uh, William calls you for over to the observation window, and you're treated to the first view of, admittedly through a gap in the still prodigious clouds, blue skies for the first time in days still very visible even in daylight shimmering sort of green tinge of the aurora in the upper atmosphere also still visible in retrospect the ground maybe wasn't the best place to view the this particular sort of uh, <laughs> phenomenon of the aurora <laughs> I imagine the Tensing would have captured better views oh yeah uh, yeah I mean, you guys got the short straw here the best thing to be would have been on on the ship <laughs> <laughs> on the observation deck yeah. <laughs> really yeah I'm sure johnny's yeah bond is getting a great view from the, the table oh, here yeah. and johnny normally sit out in 10 forward <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> um but uh yeah uh, a little more time passes then and uh later that afternoon the clouds have definitely started to clear and uh, keeping an eye out, you start to make out in the very distance 
Uh, at first it seems to just be kind of a moving dot of light and as it comes closer you can see that flying down from orbit is one of the Tenzing's two Danube-class runabouts uh, heading towards your position and finally coming to a hover and then a touchdown in the narrow valley just outside the exterior airlock door of the remains of the USS Tier. Yay! <laughs> survived! Another away mission, Connard! We survived! <laughs> Another perilous situation dodged. <laughs> And we only got shot a couple of times. I got paralyzed. <laughs> I just turned oh, the other cheek. That's a terrible pun. I know, I know. Terrible pun. I know. <laughs> Pretty sure at that, Aurela's just rolling her eyes at <laughs> Murphy is rolling her eyes at it, going, oh. Ray expects nothing less. <laughs> oh, why are we friends? Why are we friends, Ray? Why? <laughs> you'll, you'll be asking yourself that until the day you die, Murphy. I hate you. <laughs> no, no, you don't. No, I don't. Joe Bar's just looking at the two of you like, what, do you hate each other? Are you two enemies? Like... <laughs> no. So... It's just shit stuff. <laughs> Federation <laughs> Federation Shitstar is supreme. So everybody boards the the runabout. You can see uh, Ensign Sauce is at the uh, controls, and he uh, as you get into the runabout, he says, "Commander, uh, commanders, uh, Johnny, and oh, new people, welcome aboard." Let's hope Please we. Please don't uh, crash this time. I was going to say I've gotten better, Commander. You know, look, I've only crashed once. And you didn't even get hurt. It was fine. <laughs> I'm just going to glare at him. It's really, I want off this rock. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody on board? Yep. Johnny comes in and takes the seat next to Sauce up in the front of the uh, runabout. <laughs> Usually, like, a, he gives you a sort of, like, sup kind of nod. Yes. Yeah. And Johnny gives him, like, a, a little nod of acknowledgement, trying to convey, like, yeah, we did it. We're back. So the, uh, the 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 runabout um, takes off. You get your first good look from the air of the um, the crash site of the USS Tear. Uh, again, it looks like the upper part of the uh, the ship basically is embedded in the the up the earth of the um, the planet. You can see some distance off that uh, the um, warp nacelle that you walked past earlier. As Sauce circles the runabout around, you can see another one off to one side. But that's about all that's left of that ship. Rising up through the um, through the atmosphere, most of the, the sort of storm clouds are beginning to clear a little bit now, and um, the aurora is still there. And uh, but thankfully dealt with quite neatly by the runabout shielding, and uh, you treat you to a, a very nice bright view of the the planet, completely wreathed in this green um, ionizing glow of the uh, the solar. St- the sort of sto- solar maximum storm finally Sauce turns to you and says so uh, yeah we've had quite a lot of excitement up here it's like uh, I would have been better going with you guys ship nearly fell out of the sky we've we've been shot at by the native wildlife this uh, this guy over here and he sort of <laughs> nods over to uh, Jovar and says uh, this guy he flat out killed 
this thing that was jumping at me. Well, I guess it was jumping at all of us, but yeah, pretty action-packed time down there. Huh. Well. Still. Connor got a good shot on, on one of the creatures, though. Yeah, you've been practicing. <laughs> I have got a pretty good throwing arm, and it gives it, like, the kind of wrenching, like, wheels his arm around. Yeah, but then he shot one of the pa- pattern buffers, and, well, that made up for it. Yeah. And and the wheeling arm kind of slowly slows down <laughs> and comes down to his side. And uh... but, uh, Overall, Connor did a good job. He did. He did. I think Thank he you. deserves a. I think he deserves a nickname. How about Johnny Two Phases? No. Oh. <laughs> Johnny's smiling at this, just enjoying the moment. <laughs> so, um, Arila, you're getting from the the family and um, Tanen as as um, as the, it's lifting out. You're 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 picking up emotional sort of um, feelings from the, um, again, sort of just a wonder and like, uh, kind of like, what is going on? From um, Jovar kind of thing. Again, not com- I keep think- make- making it out like he- he's like confused and doesn't know what's happening. It's more just like, like this is completely out of his realm of, you know, he never thought he'd be leaving the planet and all of a sudden he's on a spaceship and he's leaving the atmosphere and everything and it's like, this is crazy, sort of thing. His mind is blown. Yeah. And just a huge amount of relief from um, the others. Um, well, from from the humans at least. Tanen is a bit more reserved, and he's not really showing any emotion on his face at all. But you, you're getting a sort of a subtle kind of feeling of relief from him, you know, which is about as much as you ever get from Vulcans, really. A kind of um, yeah, I, I imagine he was quite used to that. Yeah, a kind of tight control over their emotions, sort of thing. Like even even after all this time, he's still maintained his um, composure. Sos guides the uh, the runabouts up to the ship, um, which again, it seems to be in a little, it's tough to gauge from inside, but you seem to be still in a bit of a higher orbit than you were when you beamed down, but without incident. And uh, you come to a uh, landing on the, uh, the main hangar deck, waiting for you outside is the captain and uh, the commander. As, as you step out, um, Captain, if you each of you nod. Good job, all of you. Welcome back. Thanks. And as the family disembarks from the runabout, he steps forward to greet them. I'm Captain Carlin, sir. Welcome aboard the USS Tenzing. I gather it's been some time for all of you. Uh, allow me to welcome you back to the Federation. William shakes his hand. Thank you, Captain. Uh, I'll be honest, we'd uh, mostly given up hope on being rescued. Uh, well, other than Tanen, that is. <laughs> Your crew arriving came as uh, something of a surprise. Uh, a welcome one, I might add. It's good to be back. Collins uh, gestures towards the turbo lifts. We've prepared guest quarters for all of you uh, this way. He begins to lead the family uh, away from the runabout uh, towards the lifts. And it's then that you notice that um, Tanen isn't really following. Um, he sort of s- stood hanging back a little bit it's at this point that the ship's second in command Talyn takes a step forward welcome aboard father (gasps) 
All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks' time on January 6th for the next chapter of Frontier, and we hope you'll all join us for that. In the meantime, you can find links to all of our social media, our Discord server, our Ko-Fi page, and podcast feeds in one place, and that's pretendingwithdice.com. Have a great holiday and a great New Year's. We'll see you in 2022.